Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Pray for us before we begin. Uh, so Father, Son, Spirit, we come to you today. We are ready for what you have for us this morning. God, as we open your words that illuminate your path, may you open our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Help direct us and guide us. Help us to receive every good thing that you have set before us this morning. In Jesus' name, we all pray together. Amen. You can have a seat, church. Uh, If you want to turn to the passage that was read this morning, that is going to be in Proverbs chapter 15. That is where we're going to be anchored today. Uh, If you are new to the Bible, we're going to display these words on the screen. If you're new to navigating the Bible, if you turn to just the midsection and you'll see kind of Psalms that's there, not Palms, Psalms. I'll make that joke the rest of my life. Uh, but if you, uh, if you turn that section, go one over to the right, you'll run into Proverbs. Uh, do we know this morning who this man is on the screen? Uh-huh, this is, yep, FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt. He was what president? 34th, second. That was a good guess, though. Someone was brave. 32nd president of the United States. And if you read any biographies about Franklin D. Roosevelt, there were a lot of significant moments in history that people remember. One of the stories I love about him, though, is a very insignificant story. And it is a story in regards to his feelings about receiving lines. If you're the president of the United States, One of the inevitable tasks that you have to perform is you have to receive people. You have to meet people. When you go to banquets or fundraisers or gatherings, FDR regularly found himself having to be in a line where people were wanting to meet him. And he despised this mainly because he felt like every conversation he had with someone was fake. On one occasion, he decided to do an experiment to prove how fake these conversations were. He decided after he would shake each person's hand, he would lean in and he would whisper in their ear, it's a pleasure to meet you. I murdered my grandmother this morning. And when he experimented and did this, he found his results were tested true. After he would whisper this in people's ear, he said that people would say things like, it's an honor, sir. Keep up the good work, Mr. President. God bless you and your endeavors. And person after person wouldn't even hear what the president was whispering in their ear until the ambassador of Bolivia leaned over and heard the president whisper in his ear, and the president of Bolivia just said, Mr. President, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) It is natural, sometimes even instinctual, when having a conversation that you are nervous about or that you have been planning for, to focus more on the words of what you want to say 
than hearing the words that you need to hear. And this week, this is why we're in our second week of a series that we are calling Tough Talks, because everyone has hard conversations in their life. Now, last week we started this series, Tough Talks, and when I did it, there were two types of people that came up to me right after I started this series. The first response were the people who walked up to me and they said, I need to do this in my life. And then there's a second type person, the person who would walk up to me and be like, why are you doing this to our lives? (laughs) Because if you take this serious, we all know that there are tough conversations that happen in our lives. To be human is to seek connection with other people. And if you are going to seek relational connection with other people, you are going to run into some form of disconnection at one point or another. So last week, I talked about how God in Jesus Christ has gone to great lengths, great lengths to connect with you and to connect with us. And one of the ways that we worship and we mature in the God who connects with you in Jesus Christ is we work on the relationships around us. It's almost as if there's an interconnection that our vertical relationship with God is actually worked out in our horizontal relationships with one another. And if we take this serious, this takes a lot of thoughtfulness and intentionality. This is the type of thoughtfulness that the writer of Proverbs that you just heard Aubrey read this morning actually say in verse 28. The mind of the righteous ponder how to answer, how to respond, but the mouth of the wicked pour out their evils. I guess what I'm trying to say is this series, Tough Talks, is our form of pondering the hardest conversations that we have in life. And if you are a roadmap type of person, you're like, I want to know where we're going in this series. It's kind of a sixth step. Last week, we talked about why should you even consider having tough talks in your life? This week, we're going to talk about what it's like to receive tough words in your life. Next week after that is giving tough words. Fourth week is sources of tough talks. The fifth one is disagreements. And then week number six is how do I move forward in having a tough conversation? Maybe think of it in two halves. The first half, these first three weeks are, what do I do when there is a wrong that's done to me or a wrong that I've made in my life? And then the second third is, what do I just do with tough conversations where maybe there's not a wrong in my life, but there's just disagreement, or we're at different perspectives of how to navigate. This is the roadmap in which we're going through. And today, what I just want to point to is just the wisdom of Scripture when it comes to tough conversations. The book of Proverbs is this wisdom literature teaching us how to live into the ways of God. And one of the best places to start if you're considering having a tough conversation, the best teacher, the best learning lab, the best place to start is not always about giving tough words, but maybe the place to start is asking how we ourselves receive tough words. How do you make sure you are hearing what you need to hear 
in your life. Not what you want to hear, but the words that you need to hear. How do you make sure you're not FDRing your relationships? Where you're so concerned about what you're going to say to people that you can't hear what people have to say with you. I have three questions I want you to just consider today from the wisdom of this passage. And all three of these questions rise from this verse in Proverbs 15. If you have your Bible open, I would underline this one. It's in Proverbs 15, verse 31. Here's how the writer says it. The ear that heeds, heeds just means pays attention to, takes notice, pauses. The ear that heeds wholesome admonition will lodge among the wise, but those who ignore instruction despise themselves. Admonition just meaning feedback. Admonition meaning correction. Sometimes in the NIV, it translates it different of one who brings something to our attention. The ear that heeds this wholesome feedback will lodge with the wise. Here's the first question for you this morning to know if you are listening and receiving tough words in your life. You just need to ask this simple question. Do you know your default when it comes to hard conversations? In the words of the writer of Proverbs, do you know where you lodge? Do you know your mode of operation when you have a tough conversation coming? There are a lot of different ways to parse this out, and I'm just going to choose one thinker. His name is uh, David Ausberger, who is this professor and also counselor who talks about how to engage in tough conversations. And he says, when it comes to our default, we tend to have four different modes in which we operate or we approach with it, okay? I want you to think of maybe like your phone or a device. When you first get it, you have default settings, okay? The default question is, if you didn't change anything about yourself, if you just kind of lived your life, what would be your default setting towards tough conversations? Here's how David actually parses out. He says that when you've got a tough conversation coming, you're going to do one of four things. You are going to do anything. You are going to do something. You are going to do nothing. Or you are going to embrace admonishing. Okay. Let me parse this out for us in the first one. Some of us, when tough conversations come, we will do anything to get out of them. Amen? I will avoid it at all costs with it. This is a life that's marked by accommodation, okay? This is a life that says, I'll say whatever I need to say for this conversation to be done and over with. Caring is perceived as dealing and not mentioning, okay? Like, I like to think of this one as like when I was in my high school state and I was hanging with the boys, all right? If one of them said a joke that was offhanded, it would be out of bounds for me to say anything or call them out because we have defined the terms of the relationship. To bring anything up or explore something further is the violation of the relationship in and of itself. Does anyone relate with this feeling? Just me. Okay, that's understandable. All right, here's number two. Maybe first one didn't work for you. Say one. We will do something when we see a hard conversation coming up. This is we don't dodge it, but we don't fully approach all of it. 
This is a life that's marked by compromising. You say something, I say something, we get some things out on the table, but then we try to end it right after that. Yes, sometimes we do meet agreements, but also sometimes I leave depleted or not satisfied because we've only partially addressed what needs to be addressed. For some of us, we will do anything. For some of us, we'll do something. And the last, or say in the last category is, for some of us, we will do nothing. Okay? I like to call this one the Homer Simpson GIF, okay? If you've ever used this in text messages where it's like Homer just fades into the bushes, yep, this is, some of you are nodding. Okay, so we finally got this one. That some of us will do nothing, hands off, and will simply exit the relationship or find a way to just fade out of it. As a minister, I would say this is the most common one in churches, that no one will ever bring up anything. They'll just slowly move back and back until you say, where did they go? You know, this is that type of conversation. We'll go to great lengths to avoid it or let someone else work it out. We'll let the relationship just fade into the background. Something, anything, nothing. And then the last one that we can embrace, which the writer of Proverbs would say to embrace, is we actually embrace giving and receiving admonishment. That we would have admonition, we would have guidance, disclosure, feedback, and humble correction inserted into our lives. This is a relationship that's marked by saying, I'm going to stay in this rigorously while we also rigorously pursue truth together. And one of the, knows, one of the ways we simply know if we're receiving the words we need to hear in our life is if you can just acknowledge the soul work and say, I know which one of these is my tendency. You know, when I've worked through some of this soul work, I don't know if I necessarily have one that's a default as much as it just depends on what relationship I have with the person. There's some people where I'm tempted all day. I'm going to do nothing. Okay. I'm just not even touching that. There's other relationships where I have a little bit of trust that maybe I, I'll, I'll do something, you know, or maybe I'll do anything. One of the questions you just answer in your life is, do I know my default? And do I publicly say and acknowledge what my go-to is? When we use the term soul work, this is what it means to do soul work with the Lord, to sit in the presence of God prayerfully and work through the moments of conflict and hardship that we've had in our life and just ask ourselves, do I know which one of these is my default, my tendency, the way that I tend to react? That's question number one. Here's question number two. Are we proactive in receiving tough words in our lives? Do we initiate? Do we seek out receiving tough words? Or do we make all the people around us have to jump hoops and over walls to say, hard things to us. In the words of the writer of the proverb, he would say, it is an ear that you cultivate. He says the ear that heeds wholesome feedback, wholesome correction. Do you develop an ear to hear it? You know, it's worth noting, some of us, if we just, if we try to dodge hard conversations or we know we need to hear some hard words and we just pivot, 
sometimes what it is 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 that some of us are really just allergic because we haven't experienced really good, wholesome feedback in our life. Like some of us, we grew up in backgrounds where our parents didn't always give us the best feedback, or maybe our coaches or our teachers maybe didn't give us the best feedback or the wisest way of presenting it. And now we have a hard time hearing it in the present because of our past. Maybe the posture didn't match the point. Maybe someone expressed it was a sin when it was actually opinion. Maybe it was a perception that was accounted for that was deemed as truth. All of these can lead to unwholesome correction. And many times when we start to work through the background of our lives, we can usually trace with our finger what type of feedback or correction we've received in our life. And the invitation of Jesus to all of us is to simply not just mimic those who brought us up or mimic our bosses or the people who have meant something in our lives. The invitation of Jesus is to ask, how has Jesus lived? And how is Jesus asking me to transform the way I approach life? There are many thinkers of God who talk about the term incarnational thinking and listening, which just means you listen the way that Jesus lived his life. Let me show you an example of this in Scripture. One place that this is identified is actually in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. Paul's writing to this group of believers, and he actually quotes this song that gives us the imagery of what the life of Jesus is. Embodied, And here's how Paul writes it. Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death. On a cross. To listen as Jesus lived is to have incarnational listening in your life. Paul tells us three things of what Jesus does. That Jesus, he empties himself. He steps out of his world. He makes himself step into not his world, but into our world as a human And then he gives his life over on the cross. Incarnational listening does those three things. It is a listening where you step out of your world, you step into somebody else's world, and then you give of yourself. What would happen if when the next time someone approached you, if you just took these three steps in listening to someone's correction or feedback in your life. That you stepped out of your world. You may have the perception that you have because it's you, but for a moment, you're going to step out of your comfort and the way you perceive things and hear how someone else perceives things. What if you were to step into someone else's world? What if you were to say phrases like, help me understand or tell me more about? That we don't try to read into what someone's saying, but we just hear what they're saying. And it's worth just noting. This is a big one for Christians. Just because 
we listen to someone doesn't automatically assume we're validating their point, but we are validating their personhood. I mean, good grief. Jesus could hang out with Judas, and I'm pretty sure they weren't on the same page about what it meant to live the kingdom of God. We can hang in there, and we can listen to a different thought than our own. And then finally, just giving of ourselves. Sometimes when people approach us and give us feedback, we just need to hear it as this is someone expressing their opinion. But then other times, there's things that people express to us that if there's something that needs to die, if there's sin that needs to be crucified in our lives, and other people point us out to it, we give of ourselves and we recognize it. Easily said, very difficult to actually live out. I uh, remember when uh, I first entered full-time ministry, I was uh, asked to facilitate a team uh, together. And I remember that we had spent a couple weeks together uh, as this team, and uh, nothing was going well. Uh, the team was not gelling. Uh, our morale was low. We had a deadline that was coming. Uh, it was quickly approaching, and we were not meshing together. And I remember one of the members of our team approached me and asked if we could speak about another member of the team. She sat down with me and she discussed that she thinks one of the sources of why this team isn't working is that there is gossiping and there is dismissing that is going on. And I remember looking at her and being like, well, let's squash it right now. And she said, great. So why are you doing it? I want to leave that conversation. She addressed to me that in meetings, just because of how I was raised, I was sometimes, nope, correction, I was dismissive because her thoughts were expressed with emotions and tears. And she said, when you give off that feeling, the rest of the team takes your lead, and it's dismissive of me. Those were hard words to hear, and she wasn't done. She said, I think you need to look further into your life and figure out what's going on that you are dismissive and you are whispering around in the hallways anytime someone expresses an opinion that has emotions or tears with it. And you know what? I left, and a couple weeks later, I did realize I grew up in a background where it was invalidating of a point if you brought emotions or tears to a discussion and I needed to repent of it what she gave me was a moment of incarnational listening I know what I think about my life and she asked me can you step out of your world can you enter into my world and then can you crucify what needs to be crucified. The final question for all of us, this is a question and a promise, is what the writer of Proverbs says at the very end of verse 32, but those who heed correction gain understanding. The writer is very transparent. If you do not receive correction in your life, all of us, 
we will not only hurt people around us, but we will also hurt ourselves. This is the wisdom that Scripture gives us. So maybe a simple question, this third and last question, is just are we regularly receiving new understandings of our lives? Are we operating to where we're learning new things about ourselves and about each other? Or have we already chalked up the world to be exactly the way that we think it's supposed to be? One of my favorite writers says it like this, we do not see things as they are, we see things as we are in life. Usually whatever's going on in here in our lives usually affects how we actually perceive it. Let me just layer this with scripture. You know, Paul in Ephesians, this is literally what he prays to a group of believers. 1 verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which you have been called to, his glorious inheritance, as you as holy people. Usually how we perceive information says a lot about what's going on inside of us. It's one of the reasons that when Jesus is doing miracles, one of the most dominant miracles is sight he gives people. Because we can't see everything. We need God through people to reveal what we need to know. So last week I gave an invitation throughout this series, six weeks. Uh, I just said, if you have a tough conversation coming up in your life, I want you to simply just grab a rubber band. I want you to just wear it and use it as a prayerful reminder that you have a tough conversation coming up to pray through. And if you did that last week and you've been wearing this rubber band, I've been praying alongside you. I already knew when I started this series, dreadfully, I already knew when I started this series, I knew where my tough conversation needed to happen. It's not in this room. I don't think they're in here. No, I'm just playing. They're not in here, okay? That's a guarantee. Um, but one of the invitations I'd like to give you this week is maybe if you didn't do that last week or if your posture's just like, I've thought about it. I, I don't really have a tough conversation that needs to happen. I would say that you know of, okay? But if that's the case, I would just invite you this week. What would it look like for you to seek correction from someone else? What if you were to actually go out and seek it, to initiate it yourself? What if you were to say, I'm going to go pursue someone and just open up my life and say, is there anything I need to see that I can't see? I actually think that's a really easy question to just ask the people. What do others see about myself that I can't see myself? What if you were to just ask this question this week? Maybe you need to grab a rubber band, put it on your wrist, and you keep it on your wrist until you ask someone that question. Is there someone you're already having lunch or coffee with this week that you can ask it? Is there someone that you spend hours every day working beside who knows you? It is important to ask someone who's brave enough to actually tell you the words that you need to hear. Because it's very hard to give tough words if we don't know what it's like to also receive tough words in our lives. You know, if, I, if I'm just being very transparent, I, I had a very deep insight when I was praying for this series back in the summer. Uh, and here was the insight. 
uh, I am awful at this series. Uh, I dread nearly every week of it right now. I've really loved evening and morning. I'm not liking this one, okay? It's really bringing out some stuff for me. And I think one of the reasons I don't want to open my life to correction, to feedback, I fear any time I get an email that comes to my inbox right after I preach, I think one of the things that is deep within me is I don't want to hear feedback because I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to go through the embarrassment. I don't want to relive the sin that is in my life. I don't want to know the ways in which I may have been hurtful to somebody because I'm going to feel guilty about it. And here's the thing I'm kind of coming to in my prayer life with God right now is that every time I open myself up to admonishment, every time I open myself up to feedback, I also invite myself to claim and depend on the grace of Jesus Christ. That receiving tough words is an exercise in actually understanding our identity in God. The gospel we accept is Jesus is Lord. You are not. Jesus is the perfect one. Zane is not. Jesus holds the keys to life. We do not. And we can hear and handle hard conversations because they do not define our identity. This week, in Jesus Christ, you can hear from your friends that it's time to go to counseling because the marriage isn't getting better. You and Jesus Christ can hear that you've been dismissive towards one of your family members. You and Jesus Christ can hear that you've been selfish and greedy with your spending. You and Jesus Christ can hear from someone that you hurt them. We can hear difficult words because it's not our identity. Our identity is found in the blood and body of Jesus Christ. You are not your bad decisions from high school. You are not your worst day at work. You are not your bad parenting moment. You are not the rumor or critique that people give you in your life. Your life is hidden in Christ, which means you depend on what God says about you, not the words other people say to you. So God, uh, I said last week, I said, Ian, these are, these are very hard words just in our spirit to be able to embrace and tackle and try to implement in our life. So, Holy Spirit, we open ourselves up to you. Can you surround us with people who are going to reach across the table this week, put a hand on our shoulder, and say to us, you need to hear this and I'm not leaving you. God, give us people who will speak reality and truth to us. God, may use your people this week to stir our hearts so we can be, we want to be prepared for you when you return to look just like you. We pray this in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.